Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship pod here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We took a week off. I think it's the first time we've done that. I think even over Christmas and stuff, we've had at least uh, a day where we've released something, right? In the past almost two years? Yeah, honestly, I don't think we've taken a full week off. Like we took some, we missed, you know, some camp, can bounds. We missed a camp at campus life due to holidays or whatever we have going on. But I don't think we've taken a full week off since we started. Yeah. Um, so apologies. It was not necessarily planned. Uh, we did, we, we planned to, to miss Canton bound and we do that from time to time. Um, had some technical difficulties, uh, Monday night and then I, uh, other commitments and things got in the way. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bummer that we couldn't give you guys another episode of Campus Life, but I am rejuvenated from our week off and our weekend together, Colin. We spent the weekend together. We did. We did. That was why we planned to take Thursday off. We couldn't announce it because it was a surprise birthday trip for my brother, 30th birthday. And he listens to the show. He's the he only does. family member of either of us that gives a shit about either of us because yeah. he's the only one on either side that listens to anything that we do. Yes. Very so, true. So uh, shout out to, to Colin's brother, Evan and a happy 30th birthday to him. We went to Nashville, uh, had a really good time there. Um, did all sorts of stuff. And, and the most shocking development of the weekend, Colin has road rage, like bad, <laughs> real bad. <laughs> You would never guess it just looking at this little guy. It was a 12-hour trip, so we split it. It was four of us. We, we all drove down together. We split it into three-hour blocks. Uh, I think Colin, Colin in one three-hour segment honked the horn longer than like cumulatively I have on every drive I've ever done in my entire life. It was insane. Yeah. Um, hand up. I, I can't really deny that one. Um I, I do have road rage. Yeah, I use a lot of creative curse words, um, a lot of hand gestures, um, the horn, not afraid to use that, let people know that they're doing something I'm not a fan of. Um, yeah, I drove in Philly for a couple of years, so it, it, it bled out a little bit, but I always had like some semblance of road rage. Uh, well, it actually we were... really surprised my fiance, too. Well, we were in the South, so I was really kind of not feeling great about someone just pulling a gun or something at some point <laughs> um, with, with the way you were driving. like a It maniac. was all highway. But, but, but we survived. We survived. We had a really good weekend. Um, first time to Nashville. Um, we'll definitely go back. The The downtown yeah. scene's a little much for me personally, which I know is like the draw to Nashville. But I thought like the breweries and stuff, they were really cool. And the barbecue. Yes, the barbecue was good too. Burn ends, yeah. grits. Mm, I'm a Southern boy now. <laughs> yeah bojangles then, overrated bojangles overrated we had that on the way home i know that, that wasn't oh, thought, like a treat we did but. Mm -hmm. you thought that was overrated yeah i'd heard some southern oh. people say that it was you know like the best of the 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 fast food uh fried chicken mm -hmm. joints and i i i was wholeheartedly disappointed well it, like it was fine but like mm -hmm. for the hype that it got i was disappointed i really enjoyed it home. So what's your what's your top fast food chicken joint then? My power rankings. Yeah. My, my fast food fried chicken power <laughs> rankings. Um, you know, that's a good question. It does have to, it has to be like a big chain, I'm assuming. I guess Popeyes is probably number one. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah, it's fast food fried chicken. I don't know what you want yeah. to, uh, want me to say, but I really enjoy Chick-fil-A. I know that's like kind of the basic answer, but man, I love the spicy chicken sandwich. 
Yeah, I'm sure you. Do. I always get the pickles off of it though, because I hate pickles. But well, now that they now that they bottle the Chick Fil A sauce, I don't need to go in there anymore. I can just go get yeah. it at the store. That's like three quarters of the reason I would ever go to Chick Fil A, just to stock up on. You order like one sandwich and then like fifteen Chick Fil A <laughs> sauces with it, and then you just sit them in your fridge. Um, but no, I so liked yeah. Bojangles. I thought it was really good. It was fine. Like it, it was. It was just. There's a certain person who works at C2C who shall remain nameless, but I do think he listens to the shows, so. Uh, I think we will hear from him who mm-hmm. who had made the, the the claim that Bojangles was the best like fast food fried chicken. So um, this person may wrong. surprise you. Clickbait. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so yeah that that was why that was really the impetus behind trying that and this disappointed me a little bit. Uh, but enough about our lovely weekend together. Um, we're gonna talk. 2023 freshman class tonight not in depth not not super super in depth guys because that would take more than one show um but it is supplemental drafts are finishing up like you're kind of trying to figure out what your roster is going to look like july is just around the corner you might be acquiring picks for next year's supplemental draft so we would like to at least give you guys some idea of what you may be acquiring going into next year give you a little bit of a feel for the class we're not going to try to give too many definitive statements at this time a lot of things will change guys have committed they haven't signed anywhere so a lot a lot can change between now and december uh, let alone signing day next year in february um but that's our plan uh for tonight here and of course a little bit of news because of course the one week we take off like things actually happened in the off season right so that was that was great yeah we we knew that was going to happen um before we start here real quick, guys, if you have not rated reviewed the show yet, it really does help us. So if you guys, you know, we get you through your 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 drive to work or, um, you know, your, your lunch break or like just anything you, you enjoy listening to us. If you could just go on whatever platform you listen on, give us a, a nice little review uh, that does help us uh, get in front of eyeballs and uh, ears, which is what we're hoping for. Um, CampusCanton.com. Go check it out if you have not yet. Um, all sorts of really good stuff going on over there. I believe Chris counted out and he said that we we released between videos and articles and other, we released 29 items last week at the site, like different pieces yeah. of uh, of content, so to speak. So a lot going on over there. Go check it out. Of course, Debbie Guide still on sale. CFF Guide going to be coming out here in just over a week, I believe. So roughly, yeah. Did yeah. we announce a firm date on that one yet? Uh, I don't know if we announced it, but I know it. Okay. I well, that's I, don't, I can't leak it. That's not my. Yeah, not my you're place. the edit. Yeah, you're the editor. I'll upset the guy that thinks Bojangles is amazing. So, um, <laughs> spoiler for a little hint for anybody who was wondering who it is. Um, so yeah, um, let's just uh, let's jump right into some news here, Colin. We are a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, uh, along with a ton of other great podcasts. Um, Fantasy Points got a lot going on over this offseason, guys. They've added some CFF uh, type stuff. So if you're already a member over there, uh, uh, go ahead and check all that out. Um, and yeah, you can listen to all of the pods from the group on Fantasy Point at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. News, 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 news. Um, a lot of a lot of transfer portal giveth, transfer portal taketh away. I think is a real good way to kick this off here. Two running backs that already moved once this offseason apparently did not win the job like maybe they thought they would. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon uh, left Clemson this offseason, headed north to WVU. Um, there are rumors that Tony Mathis Jr. was beating him out for that job anyway. 
he's been a pretty productive player over the course of his career. 1,400 yards on the ground, average over six and a half yards per carry. He's had a, you know, a decent chunk uh, amount of touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I haven't heard any rumors where he ends up, but I mean, is this um, just a, a bigger news on like the Lynn J. Dixon front or the Mathis front? Um, probably a little bit more on the Mathis front. Uh, I think things, the tea leaves were kind of reading that he was going to be the guy you want there. Now, is he going to be Letty Brown from last year? Eh, probably not, especially bringing in Graham Harrell at OC. But I do still think, you know, he can be productive for CFF. You know, I think he's a nice player to pick up. In terms of Lynn J. Dixon, um, I'll be interested to see where he goes because he can play right away. It is a grad transfer. So, you know, we'll see where he ends up. It's a name to monitor, but, you know, I'm probably not overly interested in him unless he ends up at, like, Ohio, you know, trying to replace Tuggle or, you know, a Mac school or, like, a lower level like that. If he goes anywhere in the P5, like, uh, at this point, probably not interested. Yeah, I am really interested. I mean, there's not – I don't know. I'm trying to think of places that we just think we want a guy to go. I know I know, um, Jared and, and some of the CFF guys uh, at Camp Canada have been saying any running back to Buffalo this offseason. Um, so maybe they're they're praying for him to Buffalo. I honestly don't know. No, nah, give um, me the Mike Washington. Um, I don't know. Like I, I just don't know where else you'd send him at this point. It's, it's pretty crazy that um, it's like – is he going to get no touches there? It's really interesting that, that he's leaving there because they don't have that deep of a backfield. They do have uh, Jalen Anderson's a kid that uh, couldn't play last year but was a four-star, had some academic issues, I believe, uh, talented kid. But, like, they don't they don't have that many other guys in that backfield. You had to figure that he would have done something. So I, I'm just really – it's not like the NFL where you can wait for somebody to get hurt and then sign, like a Todd Gurley yeah. or, you know, someone lurking. Like, he, he doesn't have that, that capability. So – this is a little perplexing on the timing for me, unless he already kind of has a spot lined up. Yeah, it, it, this late in the process, it is a little perplexing. Yeah. Um. So I think it's just something to monitor. But yeah, I think it does. It does kind of make Tony Mathis the uh, de facto or or almost certain RB one there. So if you've been stashing him places, uh, you've probably just definitely earned yourself a, a guy that maybe can rotate in in your flex or something like that. The other guy uh, pulled the same maneuver here, Colin DeMarcus Bowman. Uh, and obviously the higher uh, profile guy of the two uh, DeMarcus Bowman, former five-star running back went to Clemson um, flashed there uh, first couple games of the year, transferred to Florida um, without ever playing at Florida. He is now gone. He's heading to UCF. We are, we know his destination. He's already decided um, really interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I'll let you talk about it first, Colin, just because I feel like I've been talking a lot. That never happens. <laughs> never. Uh, I, I I do usually do more of the talking, but it it's interesting from a standpoint where, like, what happened that he didn't play at all at Florida. I know there's like some some speculation floating around out there and stuff, but he was a five star kid. You know, he was dynamic. He's a great athlete, um, undersized, which was always like a little bit of a, the biggest concern for me. That then he hasn't put that weight on at all anywhere. It seems like last time I saw his his listing on Florida's roster, he was like I think one eighty five or right in that ballpark. Uh, so still pretty pretty light. Um, and Florida doesn't have a 
star-studded backfield. They brought in Montreal Johnson, who follows his coach Napier. Seems like he's probably in line for the safest of the workload there. Naquan Wright is still there, but he's just kind of meh. Uh, Lorenzo Lingard's been getting a little bit of buzz, but you know, let's actually see him do it on the field first. Um, but then after that, you know, they don't really have anybody else there. Like I thought Demarcus Bowman could get some work, but it seems like not the case there. And now heading to UCF, that's just as crowded of a backfield. Um, it might be more crowded. Yeah. As weird as that is to say. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, they have Bowser there. Um, they just brought in two guys in this class in, um, Townsend and who's the other one who's escaping me right now that they brought in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to remember as soon as we're done. Yeah. So McDonald McDonald. Yes. Um, yeah. So they have, they have some guys there too. And yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in, in that backfield there. Plus he has to sit out. Yep. Cause well, he transferred. Yeah. I guess he would. Cause he had to have enrolled to, um, yeah. to practice. So unless they yep. give him a waiver, you, you cannot, I know the NCAA, like the, 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 the rules don't matter. The points are made up and the rules don't matter, <laughs> but you can't give him a waiver because he basically got kicked off the team because he was not going to class. So it's like the rumor, like he was kind of in a doghouse. Yeah. I, I mean, I would be really surprised if they gave him a waiver for that. I mean, you know, you can get a waiver for pretty much anything, but he'll have a hard sell there uh, on what he would choose to try to get the waiver with beyond, you know, just not being on the team anymore. Um, yeah. I, I'm not really that interested in Bowman. I was fading him pretty hard uh, this whole off season. And this doesn't really move the needle back up for me at all. Despite a drop from P five to G five. Yeah. And he like the, the weirdest thing about him and what kind of was causing us to fade him so early this off season. Uh, he hasn't ever gained weight. In fact, I think I know sometimes recruiting numbers are fudged in terms of, of size for some of these guys. He's lost listed weight since his high school recruiting days. He's like 180. That's so small for a running back. It's it. it you're. I think best case scenario at this point, going down to a, a G5 where he can kind of settle in and hopefully, I'm sure he's hoping to to gain the majority of the role there next year. You're basically hoping for like a Kenneth Gainwell type rise. You know, another undersized back who dominated at a smaller school and was able to make the jump to the NFL that way. Um, like that, that feels like almost the best case scenario for him at this point. And again, Gainwell was a fifth round pick. He's moderately interesting uh, on like an NFL dynasty roster, but he's not a must have kind of guy. Um, he He's definitely, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't really, I'm not super interested. I think if you're in a typical 12 man, 45, or 12 team 45 man roster. I don't know that he actually really needs to be rostered unless your team is just atrocious and you're just kind of trying to get yourself a shot in the arm. Yeah. I probably wouldn't roster him at this point, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, when he was at Florida, I didn't have him because other people were taking him higher than I would have, but I, I could see it. I could understand it at this point. I'm probably just cutting bait. Going to picking up somebody else off the waiver wire who might actually get me some CFF production. 
because he's just a roster clogger at this point. Yeah, uh, uh, really was probably an expensive one uh, for you, too. Yeah, which um, hurts, but... it does. It does. But uh, such is this format, really. Um, it happens to the best of us. Um, last little piece of running back news here, Colin. This is an interesting one. Uh, I think this is one that's kind of been floating around and then has come to a head here uh, very recently. The Notre Dame uh, backfield is is actually not looking great at the moment here. Um, it was originally kind of a shallower backfield to begin with. They really only had four guys there. They bring back Chris Tyree, a uh, smaller uh, a speedster kind of guy, uh, Audric Estime, um, um, uh, Logan Diggs, and then they brought in Jadarian Price this year. Jadarian Price uh, tore his Achilles this past week. He is out for the season. Um, he, he doesn't go to Clemson, so he doesn't. Uh, he can't come back in four months from that. <laughs> um, and, and the other one that we talked about a few weeks ago is this this mysterious shoulder injury for Logan Diggs. He's having surgery. He's out for at least half the season. That really only leaves them two actual running backs on their roster going into the year, Estime and Tyree. I've been very critical of Estime in terms of his actual talent level, but he's going to get some opportunity this year now with how much they they tend to run the ball. Yeah, you know, results over process, right? <laughs> no, yeah, Estime, like <laughs> yeah, Estime is, is going to have uh, – a nice year this year, I think, but the way things are shaping out, because he's kind of the last man standing. You know, Chris Tyree's like a buck 85 soaking wet. He's more of a receiver. You know, he's probably a threat to be the third leading receiver on this team in the passing game, but he's not really a threat to handle much of the running workload. You know, he'll handle a, a smattering of carries here and there, but it seems like it's estimates the last man standing. He's going to get a lot of work. This offensive line is going to be very good. You know, they struggled a little bit last year, but they kind of pulled it together at the end of the year. I think they bring everybody back from that offensive line. Um, so they're going to be able to run the ball well, I think, this year. They have a dual-threat quarterback, uh, which tends to lean its, lend itself a little bit more towards efficient running, which I think is probably something we would have questioned a little bit with Estime. But the stars are kind of aligning for him to have as good of a year as you can hope for from him. So... While I'm with you, I don't really think he's anything special as a running back. I don't think he's particularly good. Um, he's probably going to have a really nice CFF here this year, you know, unless he gets hurt too. I don't know. Who knows? So I'm going to do the thing that I try not to do. I'm going to put on my CFF uh, <laughs> quote expert hat here uh, for a moment, uh, which I am decidedly not an expert. Um so it's more like one of those little fezzes, like the little hat that goes on top of your head. Oh, um, nice. I th I'm really interested. Like, I think this vaults Chris Tyree's immediate value a lot. The reason I, I think this, you know, they they uh, Notre Dame does like to run the ball, and they they've they, they've run it, they've mixed it in pretty decently over the past couple years. Um they don't really have any receiving weapons like at all. They have Lorenzo Styles, a wide receiver, and then like Braden Lindsay, the seventh times the charm, or <laughs> Tobias Merriweather, who I do not believe enrolled early and was the only freshman they brought in. Um, like they, they just don't have a lot there. They have Michael Mayer, obviously, and then it's Chris Tyree. 
I'm wondering if they make up for lack of depth at the running back position by throwing a lot more to the running back, which would be Tyree. He's going to have that receiving role. Like I'm I'm honestly wondering if if in a PPR type format, I'm gonna get a shitty message from somebody tomorrow. There is a there is a possibility for like a Deuce Vaughn ish type season in terms of just like receiving like volume. Like might not quite that high, but I really like they, there is a decent chance with just their absolute lack of star power there at, at, with catching the ball. I, is that crazy talk? Um, I don't think he'll quite have the ceiling that Vaughn will, but no, yeah, probably. I mean, I think that, yeah, you know, he could put up 85% of what Deuce Vaughn does this year. I think that, I don't think that's crazy talk at all. Um, like I said, I feel like he won't get the, uh, I don't think he'll get a ton of rushing production just because he is so small. I don't know how many carries they'll give him on a week to week basis. But, um, you know, we were talking probably like two weeks ago, maybe even three at this point. Uh, I was in the middle of a supplemental and Chris Tyree was available in that supplemental and I was shocked. And I kept really wanting to take him, but I didn't. And now I'm actually kind of regretting it because I do, I am with you. I do think he's going to have a nice year this year for CFF purposes. I don't think he has a high ceiling for Debbie just again, because of how small he is, but I think he'll have a nice CFF year this year. So, you know, him and estimate both probably there's room for both of them to be productive. Yes. Um, very, very interesting. I, I do think that he's, being slept on slightly and i know there's mm-hmm. you know th- this news just came out in the past three days so uh yeah you know um, well, and one last guy just put on the watch list jabrian Payne. don't i knew you were gonna say that don't don't He's even bother clicking backfield. don't even bother clicking the watch list it's more likely that lynn j dixon goes there and becomes the third back than this dude ever does anything no i wouldn't necessarily actually rule that out lynn j dixon might go there indiana didn't somewhere. even want this kid anymore <laughs> not that like Indiana is like the arbiter of what's talent and what's not talent, but I mean, Indiana didn't really want him anymore. So that's uh Notre not, Dame did not great because his former RB coach went there and he kind of just followed him go. over. Please, sir. May I have some more? That and there's basically Jabran Payne. There's going to be some carries. That was, I'm really just good. saying, put him, put him on a watch list. Keep an eye on him. Well, I don't think um, he's particularly good either, but I don't think he's necessarily any worse than estimate. That take should get you put on a watch list. Um, all right. Last uh, piece of news, sort of, and this is going to be a really nice segue into talking about the 2023 class. This week, Elite 11 finals are taking place. Um, Colin, do you know of a website that released a really nice primer article uh, on the Elite 11 and what to expect? Maybe maybe some picks for, for who we think could win. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you, you got your, your 24-7, you're on threes. Those are releasing some articles this week. There's this other site that, uh, I you know, I like to go to from time to time. Uh, it's called Campus2, like the number two, canton.com. They do some really cool recruiting stuff over there. Um, the one guy over there released a 2023 class primer. And then they just put out this article about the uh, Elite 11 and just quick little blurb on each of the 20 candidates uh, they talk a little bit about, you know, what Elite 11 is for anybody who might not be familiar with it. Um, and then they give some predictions at the end. So I thought that was really cool. Um, we've seen most of these kids live, too, at this point. So I think That's that definitely uh, adds to some of the analysis. Uh, yeah, go ahead and check it out, guys. We talk about 
every single quarterback. Uh, I believe there's 20. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and everyone, you know, we break down a, a paragraph or two on every single kid, uh, where they're ranked, where they're, they're possibly headed. And then everybody made some picks as well. Uh, so I, I think it's really, really interesting. Colin, I don't want to just break it down too much. Um, Cause we are going to talk about this quarterback class here in a few minutes. Uh, do you have a pick to win the elite 11 this year? Yeah. So I think, uh, and it's not a particularly hot takey pick here. Uh, I think Malachi Nelson's going to win this. I think he set his skill set lines up pretty well um, to win at this event. And we also should preface it for anybody who doesn't know, Arch Manning is not going to this. He didn't um, even participate. Yeah. Yes. He did not even participate in the elite 11 He's at all. He's not going to this. Um, so Malachi Nelson is the number one quarterback ranked at this event. Um, so I do think he's going to win. I think his skill set lends itself really well to this. Um, the other pick that I would have like reasonably would be Dante Moore. I think Dante Moore also has a good skill set for this type of a competition. Again, he's the number three quarterback, number two quarterback at this event. Not exactly hot take scorched earth here. Um. Yeah, I mean, Malachi Nelson is my top quarterback in the class. The judging is always slightly funky. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Dante Moore wins it. Um, I, I, I think he's the last quarterback domino. He's the big name coming in because everyone's kind of decided where they're going. Um, this is a political award as much as people want to pretend it isn't. Um, I think he wins. I think he wins. But I think it'll be a really good competition. It's a really good quarterback class. Yeah. Um, and that will take us right into 2023 freshman class discussion. Yay. Okay. So we're just taking a look kind of at some early uh, storylines here for the class. You know, what, what classes look good right now? What positions are looking okay? I mean, we don't know everything for sure, but I think you kind of get a good idea of what generally this class is looking like. Um, and there's been some really big news lately, so we figured it would just be a good time to kind of discuss this. If you're looking for some further discussion, um, on our YouTube channel today, uh, Felix and Matt, uh, Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, two of our founders at C2C, um, went live and they talked about the top five quarterbacks in the class, their landing spots, what they think of them. So you can go ahead and give that a listen as well. Um, one quarterback they talked about was Arch Manning. Arch Manning, obviously, by the last name, uh, is related to Daniel Manning, the former basket. No, he's related to Peyton. <laughs> Peyton, Eli, and Archie. Um, one of the same. Um, committed to and Texas Cooper. and Cooper. Sorry, sorry the the uh, the redheaded stepchild of the Manning family. <laughs> um, yeah, he just tweeted out, "I'm going to Texas." Last week, first tweet ever. He doesn't follow anybody on Twitter. Kid's got swag already. Um, since he has committed, Texas has picked up like three O line recruits, a couple guys on the defense side of the ball. I saw they got a four star safety today. Um, they're rumored to now be leading on one of the top running backs in the class, Cedric Baxter, and one of the top wide receivers in the class, and Jonte Cook. Um, he's going to attract talent there, which I think is kind of the big storyline. But how big of a deal is this, Archman to Texas? Does it mean Texas is back? I mean, this is a huge step in Texas being back. Um, you know, I think one of the first things for a program to be back. Or one of the last dominoes to fall for a quarter for a program being back is getting a quarterback. That's one of the most important pieces. They have Quinn Ewers, who we we like. Uh, I think he's going to have a really nice year this year. I do think he will start again next year, despite some people maybe thinking 
that Arch Manning could take that job as a freshman. But, you know, they're going to be going from one stud quarterback right into a next one. So it's going to be easier for them to keep things going. Arch Manning also brings that star power with him. And, you know, like you said, since he's committed, they've picked up a bunch of offensive lines, defensive guys. They're going to get some skill position guys. And then just even beyond, you know, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook, I wouldn't surprise me at all if they get some of the top 2024 guys as well, you know, because these guys are going to be coming in and they'll want to play with Arch Manning for, you know, two years, you know, just, it's just going to be the way it goes. Everybody's going to want to play with him. So, yeah, I think this is, I'm not going to say they're back because we haven't seen it on the field yet. I think we need to see it on the field first. Um, but this is a big, big step for them to be back. Yeah, I think the the underrated thing that I haven't really heard people talking about too much is Arch, Arch committed this early so that he could get a bunch of these guys to sign with him. I, yeah. I have zero doubt that he's kind of already been working those things behind the scenes. Uh, people think of him as kind of this aloof guy because he doesn't do Elite 11. He doesn't do a lot of these camps or anything like that. He kind of just keeps to himself in terms of displaying what he can do as a football player. But um, uh, from what I've heard, he actually is in like a bunch of these like group chats with guys like you know, chatting it up with them. They're, he's friendly with everybody. He and apparently has been recruiting some guys to come with them texas so i think that's a, a big storyline i still think there's a lot of dominoes there for for the next two years uh to fall the other piece of this that i just want to talk about real quick and we are going to talk a little later um you know what if anything happening so far in 2023 going to affect some of the guys we liked in 2022 we're going to have a, a discussion here but whatever you think of arch manning uh, i think we at c2c are, are currently holding the stance that he's probably slightly overrated but he's still a very good quarterback prospect um he this is not brought in to compete with Quinn Ewers year one. The Arch Manning was brought in to do the come in, sit a year, learn the offense, learn how college works, learn all of these things. Quinn Ewers goes to the NFL, step in year two. That's how a lot of these recent quarterbacks at big programs have gone about it. It's just the standard way of doing things now. Um, this is not a threat to Quinn Ewers. So don't think that this means that if you have Quinn Ewers, that, that, that he's, he's going to need to transfer. I, I just don't think that's going to happen unless Quinn Ewers just totally craters. Yeah. I think that Quinn Ewers would have to absolutely fall flat on his face for Arch to start in uh, 2023. So I don't really think that that's going to happen, but even if it did, I think Arch Manning would be concerned about that because like you said, he kind of gives off the impression that he's a little bit aloof because he doesn't go to all these camps and all that other kind of thing. But he is probably the most coached up off the field recruit, I would imagine, you know, just coming from Eli and Peyton and Archie and all of that experience that they have and all of the connections that they have. I'm sure he has talked to a lot of people and a lot of the voices in his ear were most likely saying, follow this path that other people or other players are following the come in sit a year, learn the offense and then play the next year, play the next two years, you know, and then if you do well off to the league, you know, like you were saying. So I think that's what he wanted. That was what really, one of the things that really attracted him to Texas, um, particularly over a place like Georgia uh, where he would have come in to a pretty wide open room 
because Stetson was going to leave after this year. I think he's out of eligibility. So it would have been a pretty wide open room. So there's a chance he could have started year one, which, you know, I think if he had to do that, you know, sure. I don't think he would have disliked that, but I think people were saying go somewhere where you can sit and learn. And I think that was what attracted him to Texas. So I think even he's expecting probably, you know, Quinn Ewers 2023, and then I step in in 2024. Yeah, so I think that's going to be the the story there. And again, you just pay attention. I think there'll um, be some guys headed there that maybe were on the fence uh, prior to that commitment. I, I don't think also, I've, I've heard some people speculate on this. Um, this is closed up shop unless Texas wins like three games this year. He's not going to flip somewhere else, guys. That's not how they've been running this recruitment. They've obviously thought long and hard about it. Um, he's not going to switch anywhere. So if you're a Georgia fan or a Bama fan or even, you know, a Tennessee or an Ole Miss or any of these kind of legacy programs Virginia. associated with the Mannings, um, it's it's not it's not going to happen. Sorry, guys. Um, but but he's he's not going to flip. Yeah. Um. Speaking of schools that kind of have good classes, I don't want to call them back. I don't think they were ever there. Um, <laughs> Louisville has has a, a pleasantly uh, strong class. I think a lot of that has to do with NIL. They are a strong uh, Nike school um, uh, among, the, among some other NIL-type donors. Um, but they, they've got some really big names. I think the biggest one of them all is Ruben Owens. He's the top running back in the class committed last week to Louisville, number, number one in the composite. Um, committed to them over uh, TCU, um, uh, Florida, I believe, and a couple other schools as well. Um, he's going there, and he's also joining Pierce Clarkson, who's the QB10 in the composite. He's a high four-star there from uh, high school football powerhouse uh, St. John Bosco. Uh, and DeAndre Moore Jr., who is the wide receiver 10 in the class, uh, also out there uh, from California. Um, so th they're really building something there. I think this is very, very intriguing. Um, are you favoring some of these Louisville guys since there's kind of playing time probably to be had early? Does that give them a little bump for you? Yeah, this is really interesting seeing Louisville coming at some of these higher rated skill position guys and coming away with them. Now, like you said, they are pretty connected with Nike. Uh, you know, once they kind of opened up NIL, it's not overly surprising that they have a pretty solid NIL program, given the way that, you know, their basketball program had operated for NIL. Um, I don't think it's necessarily surprising that they're doing well, but this is beyond, I think, what anybody really would have expected from them. Getting the number one running back, getting a top 10 quarterback, getting a top 10 wide receiver at the skill positions, you know. Last year, then bringing in Travion Cooley was something that was seen as, you know, that was a good get for them. Um, and I still like Cooley, but, you know, they're bringing in Ruben Owens, number one guy in this class. And I think he's a little bit different than Cooley. So I think that they could coexist. Um, you know, he, my, my biggest concern with Owens is he's a little small. You know, he's 190 pounds right now. Um, but. I think he's solid. I think he's a good player. I think this is a great get for them. And like you said, there's some early opportunity for playing times for all of these guys across the board. Uh, you know, at wide receiver, uh, Jordan Watkins, Tyler uh, Harrell transferred out. So, you know, they have a couple guys there this year, but it's not like it's a star-studded room for when more comes in. Malik Cunningham, I believe this is his last year of eligibility. 
Um, you know, so they're going to have an opportunity. Pierce Clarkson will have an opportunity to come in, compete with Caleb Johnson right away. And he could potentially win that job because, you know, I, we like Caleb Johnson because he was kind of like a Malik Cunningham clone. But I think from a pure quarterback standpoint, Clarkson's a good bit better than him. Yeah. He's so, the, yeah. 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 So I haven't full disclosure. I have not really dove in that deep on uh, Pierce Clarkson yet. I mean, I watched him a little bit prepping for some elite 11 stuff, but that's about it. Um, but yeah, he looked a good bit better, but anyway, yeah, I think a lot of these guys have some opportunity right off the bat, which I think is going to make them attractive from a C2C perspective and probably rise up a little bit in, uh, in some supplemental rankings. Um, it's really interesting. So Ruben Owens, the, the big knock that's going to be against him is the dude's 20. Like he's old. Um, so I think that, is going to crush him in my book if i had to guess um it does matter it does matter a lot of these kids that enter college really old uh rarely work out uh, especially kind of the offensive skill fantasy relevant positions um so uh, just something to monitor there but he, he's definitely not a bad player and yeah clarkson and Moore are very very interesting as well um so i think just keep your eye on louisville weak conference uh cunningham does have another year of eligibility if he wants it so does he Man, i'm pretty sure i hate the COVID year um so maybe sit a year and play um I, i'm thinking this probably squeezes out a caleb johnson um ohio state in a 72 hour span and i believe actually it was probably slightly less than that from from first uh the first time of the first commit to the last um, did Ohio State things, uh, went out and got three of the top wide receivers in the class, uh, depending on how you talk uh, and who you talk to three, five stars, although Rogers, I think on most, uh, Noah Rogers and most, uh, ranking services is a very high four star. Uh, but they brought in, uh, in order here in terms of the composite ranking, Brandon Innes, a six foot, 190 pound wide receiver from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Carnell Tate. Wide receiver three in the composite, uh, 6'2", 185 kid from IMG Academy down there in Florida. And then the low guy on the totem pole, the scrub, Noah Rogers, wide receiver nine in the composite, 6'2", 180 uh, from North Carolina. Um, really, really interesting profiles on these guys. Brandon Ennis is a little more of a uh, slot yak type guy. Um, Tate and Rogers figure to maybe fight for the same role. They're they're both a little more alpha ish. Um, I don't. I mean, immediate in, uh, um, reaction to this call. I think it's really interesting that this is they're they're recruiting a slightly bigger class than they have in the past couple of years in terms of like actual physical height. Um, they they've kind of gotten away with mostly shorter guys recently. I mean, not like tiny tiny, but um, this seems to maybe they're they're leaning the other way here. And they also do have a commitment. Um, not, not to think that, you know, the, the buck just stops there at three wide receivers. They have another, uh, commitment from a four-star kid, um, lower four-star, but he's shooting up the rankings. He'll finish way higher than this Bryson Rogers, uh, six foot and a half, 175. He's also from Florida. Um, so sorry, Florida schools. Uh, if you're wondering where all the wide receivers gone, uh, they've gone up North. Yeah. So I haven't watched that Rogers yet. So, uh, but these three I have. Um, I just watched a little bit of Noah Rogers today in prep for this because he was the last one I hadn't gotten to yet. But uh, yeah, I think I like Noah Rogers a little bit more than Tate. So I do think that you're right. I think those two guys are going to fight for that outside role. Um, I would project Rogers to win it despite Tate being a little bit higher. So then 
makes it kind of interesting where Tate's going to fit in on that team. Um, but I think Innis brings something different than, you know, anything else that they really have, right, that they will have when he gets on campus. Um, you know, like you said, dynamic slot. He's an absolute yak monster. Uh, so I think he's, his role will be fairly safe. And then, you know, we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but, you know, I don't think this is the worst news ever for Keon Gray's. I would not panic on Keon Gray's. Uh, no, yeah, I think they're they're very different players. Um, it, it's it's really really interesting. I mean, I I think they're all really good players. I'm lower on Tate. Uh, I think he ends up being the guy that gets squeezed out there, especially because they'll recruit three just as good guys the following year. Um, I have I, I haven't really gotten to watch Bryson Rogers yet, but I have heard from people that I really really trust um, to not sleep on him. Um, so really really interesting stuff. I think if you're drafting the Caleb Burton's the the con the the, uh, the Antwi Kojo Antwi's the Caleb Browns of the world um, don't do that. I think they've all just <laughs> overnight become totally uh, superfluous there because they don't lose that much this offseason. JSN will definitely leave, and then no one else really. I mean, like Cameron Babb, um, like no nobody that's actually going to play there goes anywhere. They bring back Marvin Harrison, Emeka Buka, Jaden Ballard. Julian Fleming, if he wants it, will can can you know get his twelve snaps a game, um, and then the Grays class as well. Like they they just bring all these kids back again. So I I mean it's it's gonna be a really really crowded room, but um, it's what Ohio State does now. Yeah, that's you know they got three top ten wide receivers. I mean, what what more do you need to say about that? Share some with the rest of us guys. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Let's talk quarterbacks in the class here, Colin. Um, it's a really, really strong class, and that's not just us saying that. Um, if you look at the quarterback, like the rankings this year, in terms of where some of these guys are, like last, the past couple of years, they've struggled to even get five star quarterbacks in, in the rankings. Um, this year, they have in the composite six five stars and another kid that's close. Um, it's a really, really strong quarterback class from top to bottom. Uh, we already talked about Arch Manning, who has a perfect score. Again, I don't think that's deserved, but but he has the 1,000 score as of right now. Heading to Texas, Malachi Nelson, quarterback two in the class, headed to USC. Great landing spot. Nico, I'm Olivieva, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get his name down better. I will. Um, Nico, I am Olivieva, I think. I thought it was Iam Olivieva. Shut the f- I'm the wrong person to ask about these pronunciations, but that was just what I had. I had been told by our pronunciation guru at the site. Who is our pronunciation guru? Felix. <laughs> Felix can't figure out slack, but he's supposed to be able to. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's headed to Tennessee and another landing spot they have at Triple. Uh, Dante Moore is the only one not committed at quarterback at QB4, but probably going to Oregon. It seems like things have shifted that way recently for him. Uh, Jackson Arnold going to Oklahoma, and then Christopher Vizina, uh, the QB6 in the class, headed to Clemson. There's a ton of other really good kids as well. Uh, Jaden, Just to name a few, Jaden Rashada heading to Miami um, could, could be the guy there. Pierce Clarkson, we already talked about, to Louisville. Uh, Ricky Collins, QB 11 in the class, headed to Purdue, a very, very intriguing player. 
Um, Austin Novosad has really shot up rankings over the past couple months. He's committed to Baylor right now, but he's recently received offers from Texas A&M and Ohio State. Um, and, and on and on and on. There's a lot of sleepers in this class we really, really like. I mean, it's just from top to bottom, really, really strong. So I think, you know, if you're maybe hurting a little bit at, at the Debbie quarterback position or even just, you know, young quarterbacks as a whole, next year is a great time to, ra- to, to rack them up. And depending on how many waiver ads your league has you could see as many as four five six of these guys go in the first round of drafts next year i mean so this that that's probably where a lot of these picks are going to be steering early in 2023 yeah for sure i mean like you said this is just it's it's pretty unprecedented for six five stars and like you said Jaden rashada the number seven um quarterback in the composite he's number five on 24 sevens board um so that shows you you know they think a little bit higher of him he's very close so you know, reasonably close there. Uh, so almost seven, five stars. Yeah, I absolutely think that next year's first round of the supplemental is going to be dominated by these guys because it's, you know, we're always thirsty for quarterbacks. And when you have these top guys, you know, Arch Manning, just, you know, the name value alone is going to make his worth skyrocket. Malachi Nelson, uh, I think he's probably – it's still pretty early in the process, but he has a chance to be the best quarter, like high school quarterback that I've evaluated. Um, and he's going to Lincoln Riley's system, so he's great. Uh, Iamalieva going to Tennessee, you know, in the Josh Heupel system, so you know he could produce there. Dante Moore is a guy we like a lot too, and then you got Jackson Arnold going to OU. Um, that's not even somebody that we really talked about that much. I, I don't. I think out of the five stars, he's a little bit low beyond the a little bit lower than those first couple, but he's still going to OU, and OU has um, Jeff Levy there, so there's at least going to probably produce in college, assuming he gets that starting role. Um, so yeah, there's, and then you didn't even mention the one who's the the four star QB who's going to Alabama, Eli Holstein. So oh, he's not very good. So <laughs> I think. He has some tools there. You know, he's got NFL size. He's 6'4", 222. He has a big arm, a little wonky, and he's he's an odd athlete. He like You see him outrun people, but he looks kind of lumbering when he does it, and like occasionally he can make some guys miss, which is a little weird. But, but anyway, he's going to Alabama. If he ends up starting at Alabama, you know, there you go. Yeah, good luck to him with that that quest. Um, there are two guys in the top ten that I think, just based on situation and probably I think their talent is not quite what people claim. Uh, never play at their school, at least not any significant, you know, non mop up duty time. I don't think Christopher Vizina ever really plays at Clemson. I know he's a five star kid. Um, I don't see it with him at all. Um, and the problem is that he's probably gonna be behind Klubnik for at least two years. So, um, if he, for being a five-star kid, is he going to sit on the bench for two years? I don't really know that. Um, so I, I don't know if he ever really plays there and, and, um, he, he grew up a Clemson fan. He was going to go there regardless. So yeah. you got, you got to love that if you're Clemson, take advantage of that. Uh, poor kid. And then Holstein, I don't think Holstein ever plays at Bama either, but I think the rest of these guys have a legitimate shot. Um, to start at their school, especially, you know, with NIL in play now, Nico uh, reportedly 8 million or whatever we're arguing about these days, his deal <laughs> was worth. And then Rashada apparently just got like nine and a half million to go to Miami. Um, so those guys will probably play regardless. Um, 
uh, those collectives aren't going to sit around and be content to have them on the bench. I don't think. No, when you're paying that much money, they're going to get on the field and they're, I mean, we liked Haven Jackson. I thought he was like a perfect fit for Hypo system, but that was more of a system thing. Um, that we've talked about it before, but I think, yeah, Rashada or, um, Yamalieva is they're going to be clamoring to start him over Taven Jackson. I don't think Taven Jackson's the type of kid that is going to keep him off of the field. And then similarly to Rashada at Miami, um, you know, they do bring in Emery Williams, who's also in this class and the sign there. He's attending the Elite 11, but you have him and then, you know, Jake Garcia, we'll, we'll see what he does. And uh, Van Dyke has some eligibility left. But I think Rashada will play sooner rather than later there at Miami. Yeah, so that I mean that's the top ten, and again, it's a very deep class. So uh, I know you know we're not going to break give you a, a full breakdown of all these kids, but um, uh, definitely a pretty solid group there. Um, class is strong at quarterback, Colin, but it's pretty dang bad at running back. And again, this isn't just our opinion per se, although we're certainly uh, tossing that in this discussion. Um, two five-star backs, um, and then it just kind of falls off from there. There, so literally the 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 class ranking for for the running backs here. Ruben Owens is the top back. We already talked about him heading to Louisville. He's he's number the number sixteen player in the class. Number two is Richard Young. He's crystal ball to Alabama at this point. We'll be interested to see if he ends up there. The twenty fourth overall player in the class. Number three is Cedric Baxter. He's crystal ball right now again to texas uh 46 in the class he's a four-star justice haynes is 100 uh, uh crystal ball to georgia he's number 53 the next back in the class is 160th overall it's an enormous enormous drop off um it's a really weird combination of guys that just aren't very athletic or aren't very big which is not ideal where the 2022 class had a lot of guys that were really big and really athletic which is great um so i'll say get your running backs this year and don't depend on a lot of them going early uh in drafts next year especially because again if you listen to all those names they're probably all going to places where they won't play for at least one year except for maybe ruben owens young alabama baxter texas might be the best backfield in the country even after Bijan leaves and then haynes to georgia i mean that that's a tough one that's a really really tough one yeah, it is. And then, like you said, after those four, it drops significantly. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually seen a bigger positional drop off between four and five in a class. Yeah. And between. I mean, look at the 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 sizes on some of these guys like mm -hmm. 5'10, 190, 5'11, 186, 5'11, 182, 5'11, 180, 5'8, 180, 6 foot 180, like 5'11, 180. Like these are. Uh, these are all tiny guys. Like there's a lot of projection here on weight gain. We didn't have to do that at all with most of the guys this year. So that's, I mean, I, it's, half these guys will be disqualified because they never gained the weight. And you just got to try to guess which ones, um, yeah. which is not a game you really like to play uh, with premium picks. Uh, you know, that's, you know, if you blow it, you, you feel kind of uh, bad and feel kind of dumb about it. So um, it all, there will be a couple guys. There's never going to be no running back you want, right. but I, you know, buyer beware here. And I think if you, again, if you're looking to stock up on some running backs, I'm probably, probably really not targeting that class, at least uh, early on here. No, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I mean, I think you'll, the value next year at running back is going to be on some of the guys who are a little bit lower ranked. Um, because I don't think there's going to be that much separating some of the lower ranked guys with, 
some of the, you know, fringe top 10 guys, you know, um, there's a couple guys in the class going to some interesting spots. Uh, there's a guy going to, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota's got some, those are good programs. We like to target running backs in. Um, so, you know, it's, it's worth keeping an eye on, on some of the guys who are a little bit lower, but again, like you said, it's going to kind of be a crapshoot and you have to pay attention to the weight. Wide receiver. Um, wide receiver is tough because there's just so many of them that it's like really hard for a class, I think, to now not have like anything really interesting. It's definitely a, it seems like a middle of the roadish class. Uh, I have it as slightly better than the 2022 freshman class. Big wide receiver guy, one of our uh, recruiting team folks, uh, has it slightly worse. Wait, yes. So, um, I mean, th- there are different opinions, but it, it's, it's comparable to the 2022 class, which was a class that I think there were definitely some, some interesting profiles, but there was Luther burden. And then not really another guy to kind of hang your hat on next year might be kind of similar ish. Like I, I have my top guy is Makai lemon. Who's actually listed as an athlete, uh, but he's going to play wide receiver at USC. I have him graded so high that it's bonkers. Um, <laughs> And then it's kind of a lot of guys where I really like them, but it's like, I, I mean, if he never does, if he doesn't make it, like it, it, it's not like, you know, that would, come, it would shock me if Makai Lemon is not playing wide receiver in the NFL someday. Um, oh. Any of the other guys, it would, you know, things, shit happens, shit happens. But uh, Lemon's just so good. He's so good. He's perfect size. He's extremely well-rounded. He's extremely athletic. He's going to a system where they don't have anybody and it produces bonkers passing numbers. He's going to have Caleb Williams and Malachi Nelson throwing him the ball, like just situation, talent, whatever. It all like, just go by Mikhail Lemon. He might end up, he'll probably end up like my second overall player in the class. I think, I think his, his future quarterback Nelson will probably end up number one, just based on uh, positional value for me. Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not really deep enough into the class. I have not made it over into the athletes yet. Um, I have heard a lot of really good things though about Lemon from from you and big wide receiver guy likes him as well. Um, I know he's he's in his top three, I think, right? I believe he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, both of you guys are pretty high on him. I trust both of you guys from the wide receiver perspective. Um, but you know, beyond those guys, beyond the three Ohio State guys, um, yeah, there's there's some other talent here as well. Yeah, and just to kind of list off the top guys, you know, the names to be aware of, USC and Ohio State have done a really good job wrapping some of these guys up this year. Um, Zachariah Branch is the top-rated wide receiver in the class currently, 5'10", 172. He's not 5'10", um, just to fill you in. He's shorter <laughs> than that. Um, but it really super athletic kid, like Tyreek-ish um, or like Waddle-ish. Like that, he, he's really, really athletic. Brandon Ennis, number two, we already talked about him heading to Ohio State. Carnell Tate, we already talked about him heading to Ohio State. Uh, Jalen Brown, wide receiver four. Uh, currently, it looks like he might be heading to Miami, but there's been um, uh, some rumors that, that maybe he heads elsewhere. Um, I am not a fan of his at all. Um, he's actually like basically the lowest rated wide receiver I've watched so far this year, like in my process. Um, Shelton Sampson, wide receiver five, probably LSU. Jonte Cook, a kid that I love, probably headed to Texas. Hakeem Williams, uh, number seven, just a big athletic, you know, chunk of marble for some wide receiver <laughs> coach to try to to get a really nice sculpture out of. And it definitely uh, possible with how just athletic 
a freaky, freaky, freaky athlete. Where is uh, he rumored to be going? Um, so I think A and M is going to be the favorite for him. But do not count out Pitt. Do not <laughs> count out Pitt. I know, I know, I'm a Pitt fan. Mom loves Pitt. Mom wants him to go to Pitt, and he's been on Pitt's campus multiple times. So just don't count out Pitt. Um, Jaquazy Pettaway, number eight. Uh, probably Oklahoma at this point, Noah Rogers, Ohio State, we already talked about him, and DeAndre Moore, we already talked about him. So we already touched on a lot of these names, uh, a lot of other really intriguing names as well. Uh, Jurion Dickey uh, heading to Oregon, um, uh, a kid that I really like. Jaden Greathouse probably head to Notre Dame, uh, a kid that I really like. So um, definitely some good profiles, a lot of pretty good athletes. We'll see how this class shakes out over their final year. Yeah, I think there's some room for some shakeup in there, but there's already six five-star wide receivers in this class here as well. Um, so it is a pretty highly rated class as well this year. Um, how many, how many five stars were in 2022? Uh, there more three? or less. Yeah. I was going to I didn't think it was six. Like there are in this one. Um, so I mean, know, do you, do you count Travis Hunter? <laughs> no, I would not count Travis Hunter. So yeah, it looks like three. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, it really, really interesting group again, and it's a pretty wide range of profiles. So um, it's it's a wait and see class. I'll probably see a couple of those guys go uh, first round next year. Um, so we we mentioned this earlier, Colin. Really quick, any players from the 2022 class that we liked um, that we think you know might be in trouble based on a guy maybe coming in behind them who. Um, is possibly just more talented. And the situation is, if it was nice for guy A, it's probably going to be nice for guy B too. Uh, well, the obvious ones we already talked about a little bit, the Ohio State guys beyond Grays. Grays does bring something, a different skill set than any of the other guys that they're bringing in. So I do think he's going to be okay. Um, but beyond them, you know, I, I think CJ Williams at USC if you're a fan of him, you have to be mildly concerned with the class that they're bringing in at wide receiver and the fact that they do already still have Mario Williams there. Now, CJ Williams is a little bit of a different player than the other guys, so that's kind of something you can hang your hat on and hope that he can carve out a role uh, because of his skill set. But I would be mildly concerned with with that. Um, and then... Yeah, like we already talked about with uh, with Taven Jackson and uh, Caleb Johnson at Tennessee and Louisville, respectively. Two guys that we thought, you know, systems would work well for them. But if systems going to work well for them, why would it not work for the other two guys that they're bringing in who are more talented? I think there's a couple other guys here to watch out for real quick. Uh, CJ Williams at USC is a guy that I think I'm, uh, if I was touting him as kind of the potential, having the potential to lead that wide receiver room at some point in his career, uh, I no longer think that will be possible. Um, they obviously will have Mario Williams back for another year. Uh, we're going to assume probably correctly that Jordan Addison leaves, but then they bring in Makai Lemon and Zachariah Branch in this class. Um, so that, I, I think that that's going to relegate him uh, to a more supporting role there. Um, those are kind of, I mean, that those are like the, the really, really obvious ones for me. I'm interested to see what happens with Cedric Baxter. If he goes to Texas, I don't think he's better than Jadon blue, but I do think, you know, this could make it a spill it backfield and it might spell the end for a, like a guy like Jonathan Brooks that people have kind of been, uh, uh higher on after his spring 
Um, so definitely uh, one to be uh, monitoring there. But I don't think I, I, I don't see a lot of other guys here that are just going to go in right away and displace again. You know, freshmen don't always really do that. It's kind of rare um, that, you know, they go in and just take a spot right away. Yeah. I think another guy that, you know, would be worth mentioning is Jackson Arnold at uh, Oklahoma over a guy like Nick Evers from the, from this class as well. You know, sure. Nick Evers is a guy that I liked. Um, I thought that, you know, he would step in, he'd be able to step in after Gabriel left, but it's sounding like the staff isn't overly pleased with him, uh, his progress he's made so far through spring. Now it's early. You know, he could still look good next year. I think he'll give Jackson, Dar Jackson Arnold a fight. And I'm not super high on Jackson Arnold, so I don't think he's dramatically more talented than Evers. So it wouldn't blow my mind if Evers does still take that job. But at this point, I think the betting money would be on Arnold. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's he's going to have some momentum there. Um, yeah, I think those are the obvious names. Obviously, you know, we can't predict injury, so we won't. Um, yeah. But um, definitely uh, some guys to watch out for there. Um, freshman profiles, Colin. Let's dig into these um, two guys. Actually, again, I, we we talk about all these players so much that you're, we we put two names down and we're like, wow, we really never talked to, about these guys before. And we go through the list. And we're like, no, we we have not talked about about either of these players. Wow. Yeah. So the other guy, the guy that I listed as my freshman profile here, Jacuri Brown, is another guy that I think. Um, you know, Jaden Rashada coming in in 2023 is puts a major damper on any hope that you had for Jacuri Brown, um, if you had some to begin with. But Jacuri Brown, four star, number 17 QB in this class out of Georgia, um, already has good size, 6'4, 205. He's tall, a little bit lean. It's not overly concerning. Uh, it definitely has the frame to add some weight. Uh, he's a dynamic rusher. Very dynamic at the ball in his hands. Um, you can design runs for him. You don't really have to worry about him taking hits. Um, he can make guys miss. He's very good in the pocket, too. He can make guys miss in the pocket. He's got a big arm. Uh, he can throw off platform. Now, he does have a bit of a long release. You know, he does, I think, you need to tighten that up, and he definitely struggles with ball placement. Um, he bails from pockets too early, too. Like He knows he's an athlete, uh, so he used that to his advantage. Whereas at the next level, uh, he's probably not going to be able to out athlete people quite as often as he did at, at, in high school. So he's going to need to, you know, develop that pocket presence. He also does tend to drop his eyes after the first read isn't there. Um, so overall, he does have a lot of developing to do as a quarterback. You know, he's got great tools. It's a nice arm. He said, very good athlete, but I just don't think he is the level of a quarterback where he will start at a program like Miami and like Miami is trying to build now. Miami is definitely trying to be the next Texas to be like, oh, are they back? Are they back? I don't know. You know, they're bringing Cristobal. They're bringing in a, a lot of some top recruits here. Um, I don't know if, if Ja'Curry Brown ever sees the field at Miami. Um, so uh, not as you, a quarterback. Yeah. I was just, if you had any hope for him, probably would want to assign that hope somewhere else. 
Yeah, I don't think he ever plays quarterback there. Um, I'd be pretty surprised. They bring in, you know, we already talked about Rashada. Um, and they also bring in this three-star kid who's playing in Elite 11 who's really, really lowly ranked. I think this kid's going to jump up boards. And I think if Rashada wasn't making so much money, I might be willing to make the bold prediction that Emery Williams ends up actually being the guy you want from this class there in Miami. He's really good. He's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he just got, you know, completely recruited over. Yeah. Um, not to get too off topic there. I have not watched Emory Williams yet. He's a little bit lower on the list there. Just the only thing I watched was a couple minutes just prepping for the Elite I watched him stuff, enough but... to have an opinion on him for Elite 11 this week. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, but I was going to say, do you think he ends up somewhere else now that they're bringing in Rashada and signing him to so much money? Do you think he flips? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's still very early in the process. Be interested right. to see where he uh, ends up winding up. Seems like the kind of player that um, uh, uh, some school misses out on a bunch of big uh, prospects and kind of is able to lure him late. <laughs> Florida, <laughs> <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Where well, let's hope he doesn't start. go to either of those two schools. Pitt's got a four star. We don't need him. Yeah, you're happy with Minchie. He's fine. I just like saying Pitt's got a four-star quarterback coming in. That's fair. Penn State is another four-star. Cool. <laughs> is it my turn? It is. Okay. I'm wearing my Hail to Pitt shirt, by the way. We don't ever release this in video format, um, but I'm wearing my Hail to Pitt shirt tonight. Um, 16 commits in the class already. Woo! Doing work. Um, I chose Jalen Glover tonight, and I held off on choosing this player – as long as I could, but uh, we we do have somebody who who works with us uh, at C two C who is a rather large Glover fan. Um, I so will I, not I have, reveal the name this time. We won't reveal the name. I've held on to this name for a very long time, but we're gonna have to do it tonight. Um, Glover, diminutive back, uh, five seven, uh, listed over two hundred pounds though, and I probably believe it. He's probably close to that one ninety five to two hundred five range um, at Utah. Uh, a school that we love the whoever ends up being the guy there. They've, they've consistently had a guy that not only generally produces in, in college, but at least goes on to the NFL as well, whether they make it or not a uh, big, there is another story, but uh bell Cal city there, uh, Utah uh, Jalen Glover, I think can certainly take that role over. He's the RB 32 in this year's class, barely snuck in as a four star, um, was really, really impressive in their spring. He, he's, as you'd imagine, being kind of a smaller guy, he's very much a bowling ball-ish type back. His center of gravity is so low that he just kind of pounces off people. He's very shifty um, uh, laterally. The long speed isn't great. I don't think we have any verified times on him, but he did run some track in high school. I believe his fastest 100-meter time was like an 11.22 or something. So, like, not not a blazer by any stretch of the imagination, but Utah doesn't really require that. I mean, the, their last couple of backs have been Tavion Thomas and um, Zach Moss. Like it, it's not like they they have these burners there. He does kind of remind me a bit of Ty Jordan, uh, a kid who was there uh, recently for another five seven one ninety ish kid um, who uh, unfortunately was killed um, a, a few off seasons ago. So um, I, I think he. He's the kind of guy where I'm really just trying to stash him on rosters. I think there's a clear path to him getting playing time in 2023. I think it's probably unlikely that he gets recruited over there. He fits the system very well. The coaching staff seems to like him. 
it's an offense that probably brings back their quarterback, which I think means that the offense will probably be uh, pretty solid that year. So I, 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 I do like Glover. He's moved up my rankings considerably here this offseason. Uh, I just took him right around round 20 of a, a startup draft. I felt like that was a pretty good spot for him. Again, you sit him on the bench for a year. Tavion Thomas, finally your eligibility. He's gone. I, I think that Glover can definitely step into that role. Yeah, uh, I like Glover too. He's definitely a guy who's been growing on me as well there. Um, Utah is a system where they like to get a guy and they just kind of roll with him. Um, you know, they have some other guys there, but I don't know if there's anybody who's as good as Glover uh, as well-rounded. So, yeah, I think uh, Glover definitely has a chance to take over for Thomas next year. I agree. Um, so that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Uh, again, go out. Go and check out everything we have to offer at campuscanton.com. Check out the YouTube page. Again, campus, the number two Canton. Check us out on social media. We're campus to Canton everywhere. Um, new podcast alert, guys, whoop, whoop. on the feed. Uh, for those that don't or aren't uh, don't know or aren't aware of, The Official is a recruiting-based show that we do weekly here. Uh, Alfred, uh, one of our co-founders, uh, David and Matt, um, They've done a bunch of player interviews. They've kind of delved into uh, analytical profiles on some of these guys. They, they've talked about some of their favorite three-star kids in the class. I mean, they they dive deeper uh, than anybody that I know. Uh, it's been a YouTube show here for a few months. Uh, we're now going to start releasing it in podcast form, guys. So here's what we're going to do. It releases on YouTube every Thursday. We're going to release it in podcast form on Saturdays. But because we like you guys so much. We're going to release the first episode tomorrow. So uh, we'll give you a little sneak peek of what you can expect moving forward there. Of course, all of the other great shows on there as well. Go ahead and check all of them out. Uh, until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.